0: You're listening to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now with your host, Jackie Coke, the podcast with all the tips and tools to help you succeed when all of a sudden you have the realization that you're the one in charge. Hey, 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 welcome back to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now. Today I am talking to one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. Actually, someone who helped me come up with the name of the podcast um, and someone who really has been such an inspiration to me and somebody that I really look up to and um, as an entrepreneur and so extra grateful to be able to say that today's guest is, is pretty much a family member of mine. Um, today, we're talking to Chris Harder, who is an entrepreneur, investor, avid philanthropist, such a hard word to say, and podcaster, and happens to be my basically my brother-in-law. Um, I have been dating his his brother, Nick, for quite a long time. And fun fact, I actually Know Chris and his wife Lori long before I even started dating Nick, and so they have not only they're friends who become family. Um, I've known them for quite some time, so I have the opportunity to see behind behind the curtain a little bit into how they live their life, how they build their business, how they think about entrepreneurship in general, and I just feel so grateful that I get to be surrounded by. People like Chris, um, in my personal life as well as, of course, my my professional life. So, you may not know who he is. So, I will read or not read, but share a little bit about his bio um, and his background with you. So, he had an 11 year career as an executive and partner in the banking industry. We talk a little bit about that actually on the podcast, so you'll hear more in-depth into it, but he retired from banking in 2011 and partnered with his wife, Lori, to start and scale four different multi-million dollar businesses, along with investing in 13 other successful startups. Chris also founded the Elite Entrepreneur Mastermind, helping seven and eight-figure business owners scale their businesses through carefully curated collaboration And most recently, Chris and his business partner, Matt, are about to launch a peer-to-peer lending app that will positively change the way we lend and borrow money. And we talk a lot about that on today's episode. Something that has been so fun to witness and see come to life is this this peer-to-peer lending app. And today on the show, I talk with Chris a little bit about how to pick a co-founder and how do you know if you're ready to have a co-founder in your business and how do you know that that's the right move? Um, so without further ado, let's dig in with Chris and hear what he has to say about business and finding the the right co-founder for your business. Hey, Chris, I'm so excited that you're on the show. I can't. I'm a little nervous about where this is going to go. No, I'm just teasing. Um,
1: There's nothing to be nervous about. This is just like sitting around Thanksgiving dinner.
0: I know. That's what makes me nervous considering how I feel right now.
1: It would have been better if we did this like four glasses of wine in.
0: I know. We should have done it yesterday. Um, Alas, thank you for coming on the show. And I would love for just share. Can you share with listeners a little bit about your background? I guess – And you can share how I know you if you want. Otherwise, I can go ahead and do that. But let's start there before we dive into such a meaty topic that I think a lot of people are going to. I'm going
1: to let you put a label on how we know each other, because I never know what to call you at this point. You know, (laughs) I'll let you put a label on that thing. My background from a business standpoint, you know, Midwest born and raised and so many great things, as you know, because you're from there too. come from being Midwest born and raised, like good work ethic and a little bit of grit and all the good things I think that make you a good human. Uh, but one of the things that isn't necessarily pushed in the Midwest is like dreaming extra big and thinking extra big. And, and I always had that side to me. And I didn't feel like I was around surroundings that pulled that out of me. And so I always dreamt about doing something big in my career. And I thought it was going to be in corporate America. And so I went to college to please my parents. But because I didn't go to college for myself, because I was already dreaming about being out in the world you know, making money, I completely sabotaged the whole thing. And after two and a half years, they they totally booted me out, as they should have. And so when I got kicked out of college, my parents were devastated. They thought my life was over. And I was excited because I was like, oh, my life has finally begun. And I got a job in the car business, which doesn't sound very glamorous. But I learned two things. I learned sales and I learned leadership. And if you can learn sales and you can learn leadership, I feel like you can write your own ticket anywhere with anything that you want to do. And that's where I really started to develop those, those skill sets. Then I got into banking. And it was because there was a big mortgage boom going on. All my friends were making money in the mortgage boom, and I wanted to make money in it. So I talked my way into that job, and I actually ended up doing really, really well for, at the time, what was the world's largest bank. And I would get promotion after promotion after promotion. And finally, I was leading tons of people as a vice president uh, at at this world's largest bank over a, a division of lending. And then we hit the recession. And the last thing you want to be is a banker in the banking recession. But that was me. Now, add to that, that we were always living beyond our means at the time. Like I was always spending next year's money because I knew I was going to get a promotion. I knew I was going to get a bonus. And when you're young and and naive, you know, it seems like a good idea. And so when the music stopped during the recession and I lost that banking career, then we literally had to start over from below zero. And while that was not a good time by any means, it was a great time to rediscover ourselves. And when I say ourselves, I mean my wife, Lori, and I. It was a great time to choose again. It was a great time to figure out what do I want to actually do in this world. And it's really when we dipped our toes in entrepreneurship. You know, we started Lori's Gym, which is the funny story of how we found you. I'll still let you tell that later. Um, And then started, you know, we got into um, a network marketing company that we did really well in and built a massive team of 200,000 people in. And start an online fitness program for Lori. And then that turned into live events. And then that turned into me wanting to be back up front again and and, uh, starting the entrepreneurial education company that we have right now, where we do masterminds and courses and all those fun things. And it's also where I became really active and excited to start investing in other people's startups. And I really learned so much about the startup world by being actively involved behind the curtain. In all of these startups that we invest in, our goal is to start is to invest in five or more startups each year. And that's how we kind of ended up here today. I'm now building a my own startup, a peer to peer lending app with my business partner, Matt. And I'm sure we'll get into that story. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're also, you know, running the the entrepreneurial education company. And those two things, as you know, my 45th birthday was yesterday. Those two things have given me the happiest year of my life, Mm -hmm. career wise and personal wise.
0: Amazing. So I have so many questions, and I guess I should tell listeners a little bit because I'm gonna probably bring up stuff that you didn't bring up. But um, Chris is basically my brother-in-law, um, yep. but him and his wife Lori have been my good friends since well before I snuck into their family. So mm-hmm. them for quite a while, um, and I think you skipped over. Well, you skipped over one part that I'm gonna dig into a little bit, but. I'm gonna hold on and ask that question in a second.
1: So hard to put your whole career background in a little it capsule. Is. It totally without, is. Without you know what I mean.
0: It totally is. So I want to talk a little bit about when you were. So you were doing a lot of stuff. I want. I don't want to say you were a solopreneur because you weren't. You had a lot of people on your team, but you were running things that didn't require a co-founder, right? right. Like you were able to to kind of be the leader of everything and and had folks on your team helping to support it. I'm curious, when you had the idea to come up with the app, at what point in that ideation were you like, whoa, I want someone to do this with me in more of like a co-founder type seat? Like, Did you intentionally think that um, before you went and found Matt?
1: Yeah, so this is such a great question, Jackie, because the short answer is I knew it would not come into existence if I did not go out and find the partner that I found. So let me back up a little bit the app peer-to-peer lending for small personal loans really was born from this very authentic moment where somebody slid into my DMs and they said, Hey, could I borrow some money? I'm a landscaper. I'm two payments behind on my truck. And if I lose my truck, not only will I lose my my business, but the two guys that I employ, they're going to lose their jobs. And I get a lot of these DMs and I've made kind of a policy not to answer any of them because you don't know what's true and what's not. So we do our giving in, in other ways, as you know. And, um, but this one, and I know this sounds silly, but there's no other way to say it other than like a message from God or above or whatever, like beam through my head and said, Hey, answer this one. Give the guy his 680 bucks. So I did. I said, Hey, stranger, I'll give you this $680. It's not a loan. Uh, I wish you luck. Please take this opportunity and make something out of it and, and be able to pay it you know, forward in the future. And I never thought I'd hear hear from this guy again. A little more than a did month you later.
0: Did it or how did you give him the money? PayPal.
1: PayPal. Oh, really? So he found me on Instagram and then right. I PayPal them, Right. So a little more than a month later, unsolicited, he reaches back out. He says, hey, Chris, I just wanted to let you know what you did for me that day. That day when you lent me the money and kind of gave me the second chance, that was big. But what was bigger? You told me to make something out of this opportunity and be able to pay it forward. And it sent me on an absolute tear. And I went around getting as many landscape jobs as I possibly could. And I got to tell you, not only did those two guys keep their jobs, not only did I keep my career and get current on my truck, but because I went out and tried to find so many jobs you know, as, as possible. I now hired two more guys and I'm getting another truck. And I thought, my God, Jackie, a month? S- yes, $680 and a little more, may- maybe two months. Right. But you know, a right. little more than a month, six hundred eighty bucks. And just a month or two later, this guy like was able to go from going out of business to growing his business. I thought, where do people like that go? So the peer-to-peer lending app is not just a good idea that I came up with. It's something that meant something to me because so I said, "Where do these people go if they don't find somebody in an Instagram DM that's able to help them out?" Mm-hmm. And that seed was planted in me, and it grew and it grew and it grew. And I knew that this was like my calling to go out and build this thing. I also knew this, Jackie. You referenced it earlier. I liked running small teams. We were a small business, um, but I didn't. I don't like growing great big teams. I don't like so many of the things that you are great at. I don't like some of the leadership things. I definitely don't like some of the hiring things. I definitely don't like the, you know, let's call it managing their life while they're at work things that you're so good at. And so all of that is not my skill set. And I knew that one of the things that has really helped me in life, I know what I'm good at. And I'm super honest about what I'm not good at. Mm -hmm. And I know I'm not good at those things because I don't enjoy them much. Add to that, this was building tech. And as you and I always joke about, Nick is the brother that got the tech brain out of the two of us, not me. I'm the opposite. So who chooses to go out and build tech when they're not good at tech? All of these reasons, I knew I needed a co-founder and I knew who my co-founder had to be. I knew it had to be Matt because Matt had just built a big tech company over the years and he sold it for multiple nine figures. And he had the, the core ethos that I wanted, you know, a good guy that treated his people well And when he sold his company, because he sold it to a competitor, they did not need his core team, but he retained them as a thank you for two years, paying their salaries and said, hey, one of three things is going to happen, team. Either you're going to sit on the couch and be able to enjoy the next couple of years. You've earned it. Good job. Or you can go out and get a job and double dip. You've earned it. Or three, maybe a cool project will find us. And we know we love working together. Well, here I come along. Perfect timing. Matt, 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 you got to help me grow this thing. You how have How the-
0: long were they in their their retirement? Or your, their Literally sep- minutes. Sabbatical. Minutes.
1: As a matter of fact, Jackie, the first time I went to Matt, I don't know if you know, this. first time I went to Matt, he was just finishing up his acquisition. And you know how tough yeah. acquisitions can be, due diligence and all that. And his was brutal because it involved government contracts for mental health. Mm-hmm. So he was worn out. He was beat. And he said to me, he's like, I can't imagine taking anything else on right now. But if you come back and talk to me when this thing is done, I'll definitely listen. And when I came back and talked to him, Jackie, here's how the kind of leader he is. He said, I'll tell you what, if you present this to my team and if they're excited about it and if they want to do it, then I'll sign on. So I did. I pitched it to his team. They loved the altruistic side of of what this does. And he was signed on. And it's all to put a bow on it, it's all a beautiful example, because we're screaming, we're flying on this thing, of if you don't have a set of skill sets or if you're not good at a certain number of things. It's not an excuse to not go out and build your dream. You have to go find the people to fill your gaps. Right. And when you do that, when you're willing to share your idea, then there's no stopping you when it comes to bringing this idea to life.
0: That's amazing. I love that. So then this is a good time for me to ask the question where I was like, you, you didn't mention this. So this is not the first time you've had a partner. like Because yep. you, you had a partner before. What did you learn from that first experience? that you were like, okay, I know, or maybe that you carried into this second time around with a partner. Like, did you learn any lessons from that?
1: Yeah, I learned so many of them. Um, And we actually executed some of those lessons as Matt and I decided to jump into this marriage together. So I'll share those. Uh, But the partnership that you're referring to is I had a partnership in a mortgage bank for three years, right after I I left, you know, HSBC. Mm -hmm. And on paper, my partner, Todd and I were like, this is gonna be the best thing ever. He came to me, He said, I I want you to be a partner in this mortgage brokerage at the time. It was a very small brokerage. You're good at the things I'm not, and I'm good at the things you're not. And I think together, right, filling those gaps, Mm -hmm. I think together we can really make this thing a big success. And he was right. We actually crushed it. At the time when the recession was closing all the other mortgage banks and mortgage brokerages, we grew that thing significantly to 155 employees in seven states. We were we really had a lot of momentum, except the bigger it got, the more our differences became apparent and our leadership styles that we had never talked about when we went into this, you know, quote unquote marriage, our leadership styles were so different and our core values were so different. Um, I love Todd. He's a great guy, but we used to joke and call him Teflon Todd because nothing would stick to him. Right. He'd always do some slippery things. And so that gives you an idea of like, you know, that's not the leadership style that I necessarily wanted to grow this, this company on. And uh, so it, it came to a head and it became very strained emotionally. Very, I became very unhappy. Uh, we would fight a lot. And I ended up selling my small portion of, of the mortgage bank back to him. And this thing was, was on a rocket ship. So that was a tough decision to do, but I was miserable. I and I'm that. so glad that I did it because that was what cleared the space for me to come home and, and work with Lori for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And heck, that's another type of partnership. When I came home, work with Lori, you know, this I came home and I was masculine and I would take the shortest uh, route to a message possible. And when I would try and apply that type of communication to her, she would shut down because that's not how she likes to receive communication. And boy, for the first six months of her and I working together, we thought it was a disaster. Like, is this going to lead to divorce, much less not being able to work together? Mm -hmm. And when we learned to sit down and put our triggers on the table, what triggers you, what triggers me? And role play, how do you want to be communicated with when it comes to sales or numbers or these types of things? When we took that serious and worked that out, then everything else got smooth, or I should say smoother, from then on. So the lessons I learned from those two experiences, I brought in to this partnership with Matt. And we sat down after he said, yeah, man, I'll do this. This sounds great. We sat in Miami, poolside, and we came up with what's our core values going to be. And one of them was fun. Hence why we're sitting in Miami poolside. He said, if I'm going to do this again, because his last business was so big and so treacherous, he said, I've got to have fun doing it. And then we came up with some other core values to make sure that we were aligned as partners. And then we talked about the tough things. I said, Matt, I've had a tough partnership before. We realized the things that made us opposites that we thought were going to be good really gave us different leadership styles and became a disaster if it became toxic later. Let's talk about the things that might go awry. And I said, here's the things that are going to trigger me. I asked him, what's going to trigger you? Uh, what What does it look like to you if you think I'm not showing up? Here's what it would look like to me if I think you're not showing up. And we spent hours talking about this and flushing through these things so that we can recognize them early, so that we know what we're getting in this partnership, so that we have permission to either call each other out on it or to not build a story around it and realize, hey, he told me from day one, this is how he's kind of going to operate. So I can't build a story around it because I accepted it. Mm-hmm.
0: Totally. I mean, everything that you're just describing right there is it, its it seems so obvious for like a partner or a co-founder, but what if like you did that with your whole team? Like what if yeah. anyone who reports to you, you just like, and and that's what I talk a lot about on the show is like you just need to like have a real conversation. Like the people you work with, are just humans, and you're that's just true. like having a relationship, so I feel like so often we we meet with coworkers or or people we're working with, and it's like you have i think maybe because we were taught this growing up, it's like work stays at work, home you know home stays at home yeah. or, or like there's just this weird it's like you don't you're not like a full person when you're at work and its i just I think that's changing a lot, so a lot of, I think of what you just shared. It's 100 percent applicable to anybody that you're in a leadership role with, but can also be applied to anybody on your team.
1: For sure. Yeah, Jackie, I, would totally, uh, t- I totally agree, and I would add to that too, you know you've known Lori and I a long time. You know we don't fight much, mm-hmm. and it's because we call it smoke, not fire. We now communicate early and often before smoke turns into a big fiery fight. Mm-hmm. And I think the same thing can be applied towards your team, like you're saying. Totally. If people would talk about these things early, And talk about these things often, instead of letting them grow and grow and grow until they're an out of control forest fire, that alone would make all of us significantly better leaders and more productive and have better teams and have a better workplace environment. It's a very easy thing, a policy to adapt is to address everything early and often.
0: Totally, totally. So let's pretend you didn't know Matt, right? When Mm -hmm. you have this idea for the app um, and you know, you need to have a, you want to find a co-founder. Tell me like what you would have done to try to find a co-founder. Like you have a, you have a pretty great network. Um, so I'm sure that's part of it, but I guess let's start there. Like what would you have done if you didn't know Matt?
1: Well, I don't want to skip over what you said. Everyone needs to be actively building their network because that just increases your chances of finding whatever you need, whether it's a hire, whether it's a partner, Whether it is, you know, an expert like you, Jack, everybody needs to actively be expanding their network because it makes everything easier. Mm -hmm. So I was already tapping into mine. Remember in the story, Matt's like, man, I'm burnt out. I'm not sure I'm signed up for this. And uh, so I didn't know for sure if he would be open to doing this or not. So I started shaking the trees. I went to other people that were in my network that were in tech that I really respected. And I started sharing the idea with them, asking if they knew of somebody that might be really good to help me bring this thing to life. I asked Kim Perel, if you're familiar with who she is because she's had so many tech successes. I asked Randy Garn because he's got the fund that they invest in so many tech. I really checked around and I started to put my feelers out there. Who could help me bring this thing to life? Because this was way outside of my purview in terms of skill set and, and the size of anything I've ever built before. And that was my backup plan. I wasn't just sitting around passively hoping Matt was going to say yes. I Intuitively in my gut, I knew that he was turned on by this idea. I knew that it checked the boxes for him. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't going to sit around and, and wait for, you know, the wrong answer. And and that was that's what I would encourage everybody else to do is you can simultaneously think that you have your perfect partner, but also be checking in the background for that backup plan because you don't know if you'll unearth an equal or better partner.
0: Right. Timing can be so much in, in a lot of these things as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Did you talk to anyone else about it?
1: Yeah. I mean, I was, you know how people are like, Ooh, I'm keeping my idea near and dear to my heart. I don't want other people to copy it. I'm the opposite. I was telling everybody, it's not like I put it on Instagram, but I was telling everybody who I respected the idea so that I could get not only feedback about the idea, but feedback of who could be a good potential partner. I didn't take it as far as taking their recommendations and saying, Hey, would you consider being my partner? Yeah. I was just lining up the prospects, so to speak, of who I would approach if I got a no from Matt.
0: Was your questioning at that time a lot more like am I even going to like working with you or was there any other due diligence that you were doing like about their financial track records like there's a lot of stuff that you need to think about besides just like hey do I like you and do you have you know um skills that are compatible there's a lot of other things to consider I would imagine
1: There's many things to consider one of the things I think that people skip over is talking about your personal finances with each other before you get into a business relationship, because in many times in business, you're going to have to take on business debt. And so you don't want to get to the point where you've got a team and you've got the business. And all of a sudden one of you is not eligible for financing that you might need, or one of you has something in your past that's going to turn off investors. So we've actually had conversations, you know, Darren as well, Mm -hmm. me, Matt, and Darren, we've had a lot of conversations about like, Hey, when you bring on some of these um, vc funds they really investigate and dig into your past because they don't want to invest in a toxic founder in this day and age you know we live in a time where you don't get to be a toxic founder and and, and it just stays under the rug forever if well, you have I'm a kidding. I'm well, kidding. yeah, yeah. If, well, what happens at Thanksgiving stays at Thanksgiving. But then outside of that, well, no, there, there I wasn't was meaning digging. you.
0: I was meaning some some founders who keep getting money, even though maybe maybe there's uh-huh.
1: Adam anyway. Newman. Yeah, <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> and uh, it we live in a day and age where you have to put everything on the table if you're going to enter into this type of marriage. Because I know I've used that reference a lot, marriage, but it is just like a marriage only without some of the best parts. It's only based on Are we making money or not? And that's a very volatile thing to base a very intimate relationship on. And that's what you're doing in a business partnership.
0: Mm -hmm. For sure. Okay. So, so you, so you were looking into those things, asking about whether or not you guys had.
1: skeletons in the closet. All of that that
0: stuff for someone listening to the show. What would be your recommend? I think I know what you're gonna ask, but I'm gonna ask anyways. Like, what would be your recommendation to them on where to even start looking for somebody to go into business together or or to be a co-founder?
1: Definitely your own network. You'd be surprised. You gotta remember every person that you talk to, they represent not just, you know, a few people that they know, but they represent the church they go to or the workout class they go to or the local coffee shop that they hang out at all time or local clubs that they belong to. So when you're tapping into your local network and you're putting out there what you need, each one of those people probably represents hundreds, if not thousands of people that you're technically tapping into Mm -hmm. and asking them, hey, do you know someone that might be a really good fit for something like this? That's what I was
0: going to ask. I was like, like, what actual verbiage did you use when you reached out to your network?
1: I'd say, you know, I want to share an idea with you for two reasons. I'd love your feedback. So I really respect the success that you've had in this field, and I want to make sure that I don't have any blind spots. And I'd like to know if you know anyone that can help me bring this to life. Because what I'm good at is X, Y, and Z, and what I'm not good at is tech. And I don't want to run a team, and I don't want to be an internal CEO. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, the way Matt and I have set this up, he's the internal CEO, and I'm the external CEO that'll go and do the, the you know, the dog and pony dance kind of.
0: Mm-hmm. That was going to be my my last question for you. Is like, how do you? How did you guys decide how to divvy up kind of roles and responsibilities? And how are you going to, like, as the company grows, there's going to be new shit and you're going to be like, okay, who's going to do that? Like, how are you guys going to handle those things that come in?
1: So he's very much the internal CEO um, and I'm very much the external. In other words, I can't wait to go make this thing popular. I can't wait to do the interviews. I can't wait to, you know, do some of the clever marketing ideas. Whereas Matt, he doesn't necessarily like being out in the spotlight like that. He loves being inside building things. He loves the details of it. He loves the construction and the challenge that comes with you know, being behind the curtain and turning all the dials, so to speak. So whatever we encounter as we move forward, we're going to have a discussion. Does that fall into my skill set or does that fall into your skill set? Instead of trying to do something that we're each not naturally inclined to do. And if it doesn't fall into either skill set, then, of course, we're going to, you know, hire somebody and bring somebody on whose skill set it does fit into instead of trying to wrench it out ourselves. And I think that's when things move most efficiently is when you can be very honest about what are you good at? What are you not good at? And then get somebody else to do those pieces that you're not good at.
0: I see oftentimes with founders, they're not all like you, where they can be honest about what they're not good at. Like a lot of times egos come into play and, or they think they're good at it. And you're no matter how often you're like, you're not good at this. Like, I'm sorry, you're just not. So how do you become so self-aware? I mean, I know, but like give listeners maybe some pro tips on how they can become more self-aware of what they're good at and what they're not.
1: I think the best thing you do is have a sister-in-law that will call you on your shit just kidding <laughs> but I that is one of my ever. favorite but i don't have to do of, it that is one of my favorite things in the world about you is i've always said you're the the most down the middle objective individual and i love the feedback that you give so the moral there is number 1 have people in your life that will be good for you not just good to be around. There's a very big difference. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times people only want to be around people that feel good to be around. They're always going to tell you your idea is great. They're always going to tell you you're the best thing, but that is actually going to backfire on you in the long run. So be around people that are good for you, not just good to be around. Jackie, you're both, by the way. thank you. Um, (laughs) And then I've done a lot of self-development. I mean, you've known me for how many years now? 15? No, probably 13 years. I
0: think like 15 Chris.
1: You probably knew me Jackie when I went to my very first Landmark Forum mm-hmm. and I didn't want to go and I thought it was silly. Mm-hmm. And you've definitely known me when I went to my first Tony Robbins event. Mm-hmm. And you've definitely known me as I've, you know, evolved and and done a lot of the work that quite frankly my wife insists that I do. And when I say she insists that I do, I don't mean that she's like, you know, sitting at home saying, "Hey, you better go to this thing or else." I mean she's leading by example and she sets a very clear standard saying, "I'm on a rocket ship and I want someone to be on a rocket ship with me, and here's some ways for for you to, in your own way, Chris, go out there and be the best version that you can be. She expects that out of me, and you expect that out of me, and people in my life, my friends, my peers, they expect that out of me. So you got to m- make sure that you are surrounding yourself by people that will stretch you, people that will up-level you, people that will challenge you, people that will be honest with you. Um, Get into the room where you feel like you don't quite belong yet because you'll have the the highest to rise in there Mm
0: -hmm. for sure. That's, that's great advice. Um, as you were, you were talking, I was listening, but I thought of a question outside of, um, the, that particular topic. Um, well, I guess not necessarily completely outside of it, but do you feel like people will occasionally feel like they need to have a partner or a co-founder or somebody, um, as an excuse to not move forward with something like I just would hate for people to be listening Mm -hmm. to the show and they're like, Oh, I hear that. I really want a partner. Like it sounds great and fun. And it's like, do you feel like there's a world where people use that as a crutch?
1: Sure. Use it as a crutch. Absolutely. I think people use a lot of very convenient things as a crutch. And this almost goes back to the self-awareness that you're talking about. You have to be mature enough and you have to care about your mission enough To take a good, honest look in a mirror and say, am I just procrastinating or is this a real Mm -hmm. challenge before I can move to the next step? Am I just making excuses or is this a real thing that will stop me in my tracks until I can find a way around it? And it's not just partners. It might be self-belief. It might be where am I going to get the capital for my idea. Mm -hmm. It might be all of those things. And they're not excuses. They're all solvable. You just need to keep moving forward and doing the best you can to put the pieces together. You bump up against a wall. Your choices are go through it, over it, under it, or around it, but not just to stand at it saying, oh, well, I guess this is a wall. Yeah. And when you've got that mentality, when that's the way you operate, then your dreams, your mission, your purpose is going to come together that much faster and that much easier because you are continuously in motion. Even if you're going the wrong direction sometimes, I certainly do that a lot. Even if you are making more of a mess than you are, uh, you know, doing anything that's efficient. I certainly do that a lot. Mm-hmm. But at least I'm always in motion. Jackie, had I not found Matt for two more years, I would have still come up with a name for the app. I would have still trademarked it. I would have still, you know, Nick and I would have our sleeves rolled up trying to figure out the best that we can. And, well, you know, here's, here's kind of a wireframe. What's a tech team that could maybe start to build out a, a rudimentary uh, demo for us? We wouldn't have just sat there saying, right. oh, well. I guess I'm going to wait for my unicorn to show up. Totally.
0: And I think that's one of the things that I, well, not I think I know, that's one of the things that I find so inspiring and and so fun to be around for you, both you and Lori, is watching you guys over the last, you know, 15 years, like do so many different types of businesses and you come up with an idea and, and, and you execute on it. And, you know, it's just been so cool to... So many people have one business idea, I guess, and like they that's what they do for the rest of their life. And it's been so cool to be around you and her that there was a fitness studio, there was a, net- a network marketing company, there was a coaching and education company, and now there's a product company and now a tech company. I mean, I just think that's so cool. And I think to anyone listening to the show, like you can evolve, like you should be evolving and changing, and that might be you in yourself but also your businesses and like you can learn this stuff and I think that's also really what I talk about on the show a lot is you you learn, you try, you test, you fail. Like this is all a process. It's like there's not just one perfect business that will be your business for the rest of your life. If you're in Jackie, entrepreneur. thank you for
1: that. And you're so right. Like we should be changing. We should be evolving. Mm-hmm. Our interests should be changing over time. I just did a podcast, recorded um yeah, was it yesterday? Um, the five things I've learned or to be true at 45 years old, right? Because I just turned 45 yesterday. And one of them was that I learned I need to be way more open to what I don't know, right? Under the premise of you don't know what you don't know. And I also learned that I need to be very conscious of the fact that at least 50% of what I think I know for sure is probably wrong. And those two things together are what keep you evolving and growing and give you permission to say hey you know what I thought this was the right company but I was wrong or I thought I wanted to do this and I did for 5 years but now it's wrong mm-hmm. and it's absolutely okay to to be open to the idea that what is true for you today may not be true for you to you know tomorrow and that's kind of what makes life exciting i think a lot of times people are unhappy because they think my reputation is as a whatever personal the trainer my consultant. reputation like, yes these, yeah Yes. And that they're not allowed to evolve or that somehow it'd be silly for them to waste that experience. Life is short and life is just an adventure. Mm -hmm. By the time we're dead, all we're going to care is that we made memories. That's it. And so make some wild ass memories pursuing brand new business dreams if that's what's on your heart.
0: Awesome. Well, you're going to come on the show again as things continue to grow what are we able to share about the app? When is it, any ideas on launching timelines or anything like that?
1: We're going to launch in August of 2023. Uh, there's nowhere that I can necessarily point you yet for the app, but you can go follow me on Instagram at Chris W. Harder. And I promise I'm going to be screaming it from the mountaintops. You're either going to be sick of hearing about it or you're going to be excited hearing about it.
0: Amazing. And listeners, Chris also has an amazing podcast. So if you haven't checked out his podcast, make sure you check it out as well. I'll give you that shout out. It's the Chris Harder show. So super easy to find. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, Chris, thanks for coming on. So grateful for you as always. And I'm sure I will see you tomorrow or talk to you later today.
1: Very likely. Thanks for having me on Jackie. I just seriously, not because you are my quote sister-in-law. I think this is the most dope ass brand ever. And I just love everything about what you're doing and you you're, on such a rapid ascension and everybody should know that they should hitch their wagon to to you because you're going places
0: well thank you i'm so grateful for you all right talk soon did you know our parent company people principles has some free resources for you to improve your hiring process today go download our interview guide complete with the process mapped out questions to ask, and description of what you're looking for the next time you interview. Download our free interview guide using the link in the show notes.